Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, May 18th. I'm Andrea Linares. Here are today's headlines. The number of coronavirus cases climbing worldwide. In the United States alone, the total number of those testing positive approaches 1.5 million. President Trump lashing out at the CDC and former President Obama as the White House looks to deflect blame over its handling of the pandemic. And little by little across the country, businesses reopening and residents getting back to work. But what will that process look like? Find out. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with a look at where we stand across the nation and across the globe as the coronavirus pandemic continues. Worldwide, cases have continued to climb, with the planet now reporting more than 4.7 million confirmed cases, while more than 315,000 people have lost their lives on six continents. Meanwhile, here in the United States, the number of those who have tested positive surging towards a million and a half people. According to Johns Hopkins University, nearly 90,000 Americans have now succumbed to COVID-19, the illness caused by the coronavirus. And two of President Donald Trump's top officials are now pointing the finger at the administration's own scientists and Americans' pre-existing health conditions to explain the country's COVID-19 death toll. Meanwhile, a feud erupts between President Trump and former President Obama. Which really a trade advisor to President Trump is openly attacking um, the CDC, blaming the agency for coronavirus testing issues early in the pandemic. Peter Navarro says the CDC let the country down. Early on in this crisis, the CDC, which, which really had the most trusted brand around the world um, in this space, really let the country down uh, with, with the testing because not only did they keep the testing within the bureaucracy, they had a bad test, and that did set us back. According to multiple health officials, a contamination in manufacturing the CDC COVID test caused weeks of delays that slowed the U.S. response to the pandemic. And another top health official, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, suggested Sunday that underlying health conditions, including among minorities, were one reason for the high American death toll. In particular, African-American minority communities, um, particularly at risk here uh, because of significant underlying disease, health disparities and disease comorbidities. And that is an unfortunate legacy of, in our health care system uh, that we certainly do need to address. The White House has been escalating its effort to reshape the narrative of its own response to the crisis. Former President Obama was one to recently blast the Trump administration as he spoke to graduates in a pair of virtual commencement addresses. More than anything, this pandemic has fully finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. The former president stepping off the sidelines, taking a swipe at his successor without mentioning his name. Doing what feels good. What's convenient, what's easy, that's how little kids think. Unfortunately, a lot of so-called grown-ups, including some with fancy titles and important jobs, still think that way, which is why things are so screwed up. I didn't hear it. Look, he was an incompetent president. That's all I can say, grossly incompetent. 
Last week, Obama criticized the Trump administration in a leaked call with former staffers, calling the COVID-19 response an absolute chaotic disaster. And President Trump is back to pushing his unfounded claims that President Obama was behind the Russia investigation in an attempt to bring down his presidency. It was the greatest political crime in the history of our country. The Democrats say that Trump only wants to distract from what they call the horrible management of the pandemic. Former President Obama remains a popular figure within the Democratic Party. He's now emerging as a central figure ahead of the 2020 election. And Joe Biden's presidential campaign is planning for him to have a highly visible role in the months ahead. And as controversy swirls around the White House and President Trump's actions during the coronavirus crisis, now a new scandal. Democrats have launched an investigation into the president's firing of State Department Inspector General Steve Linick. According to reports, Linick was fired after opening an investigation into Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and whether Pompeo and his wife had misused a political appointee for personal tasks. Janet Rodriguez joins me now from Washington, D.C. Janet, how are you? What are we learning today? Well, Andrea, Democrats are enraged at the situation because this is not the first time that the Secretary of State, Mr. Pompeo, comes under fire for possibly misusing federal funds for personal gains. Now the investigation was surrounded this personal aid and political appointee that might have been walking Pompeo's dog, might have been taking his laundry to the dry cleaners and so on. The investigation in turn is not clear and this is why they want to go further as to see what the Inspector General was investigating. Now, in the past, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo Pompeo has denied wrongdoing when he has been accused of misusing funds, but the president, President Trump, on Friday when he did the firing, he told Congress that he was firing the inspector general at the direct and private uh, request from Mr. Pompeo. So Democrats want to know whether uh, the secretary of state was not only violating the law, but if the president was in turn retaliating to protect his uh, political appointee. Well, this is new to us and typical of the White House uh, announcing something that is very unsavory. They would do it on, late on a Friday night. Uh, the fact is, as you indicated, it's the fourth inspector general. Inspectors general, uh, that office was created after Watergate uh, to make sure that there was integrity in the departments, the agencies of government. And yes, uh, the president uh, has not commented on this today, neither has the White House on the firing. The State Department has not made any comments. But yes, this is the fourth inspector general that the president has deemed insufficiently loyal. But this is the first one that uh, whose firing has then triggered an investigation in Congress. And today they want to know what is really behind it and whether Mr. Pompeo simply just broke the law and the president is trying to protect him. Back to you. Thank you, Janet Rodriguez, reporting in Washington, D.C. And as of today, almost all states are back to business. Massachusetts, the latest to ease restrictions. This, as some states that have already reopened, are seeing a rise in cases. And restaurant owners across the country warn that with a few more months of this situation, they just won't survive. Here's Lorraine Caceres with that report. As of today, nearly every state is easing restrictions. Massachusetts stay-at-home order expiring today and Connecticut's on Wednesday. In Arizona this weekend, people standing in line as casinos welcomed them back. In Hawaii, crowds flocking to the reopened beaches in many islands, but trying to avoid big groups. 
I feel it's definitely a good thing that we get out of the house, you know, because being in the house cooped up can also weaken our immune system. Meanwhile, in New York City, still far from reopening, people grow desperate, crowding outside bars with to-go drinks in hand. I'm not comfortable at all with people congregating outside bars. And if we have to shut places down, we will. Mayor Bill de Blasio says the timeline for New York City's eventual reopening is up to New Yorkers. Keep buckling down on the social distancing, on the shelter in place, on using the face coverings, all these things, it's literally a direct line between what you do and our ability to reopen anything. But as rallies around the country continue, like this one in Colorado with people unhappy, reopening is not moving fast enough. In some states, the number of cases is rising, according to a New York Times report. Texas, which started reopening business on May 1st, reported its highest single-day jump on Saturday. The state says it's due to more testing and outbreaks around meatpacking plants. Reopening decisions forcing a careful balance of economic and public health concerns. Here we are at $54.3 billion budget deficit that is directly COVID-induced. We are opening back up because we have to open back up. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that creates more exposure. This says restaurant owners around the country warn that if the crisis lasts six months, they have about a 15% chance of survival. The states with the fastest growing cases of coronavirus at the moment are South Dakota, Arkansas, and Maine. And the last state to start phase one of reopening is Connecticut, where businesses will be allowed to operate at limited capacity on Wednesday. And Governor Lamont says even summer schools might be allowed in July. Now back to the studios. Thank you, Lorraine Casades, for that report. And early results from a vaccine trial show positive early results. The biotech company Moderna says study subjects who received the COVID-19 vaccine developed antibodies against the virus. Moderna worked with the National Institutes of Health to develop the vaccine. Now, just a word of caution. This information came from a company press release. The information has not been peer-reviewed or published in any medical journal. The press release also does not indicate how long trials may take or when the vaccine might be available to the public. In other news, out of Washington, the Department of Homeland Security is getting ready to advise the telecom industry about actions that can be taken to prevent 5G cell towers from getting attacked. This comes after numerous incidents in Western Europe that were ignited by fake claims that said the technology spread a pathogen that causes the coronavirus. 5G is a technology that has very fast connections that can power items like self-driving cars and smart cities. There have already been some attacks on towers in the U.S., according to an industry official. YouTube, where many conspiracy theories flourish, says it will take down all videos that bring up a connection between the towers and the coronavirus. And it looks like former pharmaceutical businessman Martin Shrelly won't be getting out of prison due to the coronavirus pandemic. A New York federal judge denying his request for compassionate release. In court documents filed on Saturday, the judge pointing out that Shrelly is 37 years old with no pre-existing conditions. Previously, he had requested release, saying he could help find a cure for this disease. He is serving seven years for defrauding investors, but he's best known for increasing the cost of a life-saving drug by more than 50 times its previous cost. As summer approaches and the nation's hardest-hit city begins to gradually open up, 
All eyes are on the New York City government, with a particular focus on how officials there manage newly reopened public spaces such as parks. Fabiola Galindo takes a look at some of those challenges that lie ahead. The marked circles on the grass are a sign of the times, as parks in New York start to adapt to a new normal. While some people use them to exercise, Norberto Hernandez, who lost his job due to the pandemic, is here because he couldn't pay rent of the room he used to live in. At the shelter, they open the doors at 8 at night, and you leave at 7 in the morning. It's only to rest. It's been two weeks since he's been living in a shelter, and he only carries the essentials. I have a charger here since there is electricity at the shelter, but during the day, there's nowhere to charge my phone. There are tens of thousands of people like him with no job and no assistance. Just last week, more than 300,000 people requested unemployment benefits in the tri-state area. More than 200,000 of them are New Yorkers. Which brings the total to over 36 million unemployment claims. And according to a community survey in New York, 9 out of 10 Hispanics have lost their job. I filed for unemployment, but I haven't seen the first check yet. It's been a month and a half for many like him. I call and they put you on hold, and all you can do is leave a message. With summer getting closer, the next challenge is keeping people inside hot apartments, because buildings here are so old, many don't have central air conditioning. It can get really hot, and opening the windows can make it worse. That's why Mayor Bill de Blasio announced more than 74,000 air conditioning units will be given out for free for people over 60 years old who qualify. Financial aid will also be allocated to help them pay the electricity bill, a temporary aid in the middle of a pandemic that is far from ending. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, U News. Thank you, Fabiola. And starting today, undocumented immigrants living in California can apply for a new cash assistance program under Governor Gavin Newsom's coronavirus assistance plan. Eligible families can get $1,000 per household, making California the first state to provide direct assistance to these undocumented residents. Now, here to tell us more about this and how it works is Unai Montesirueste. He's a communications director at United Ways of California. Unai, thanks so much for joining us today on U News. And I want to begin by addressing the following. What has been the situation for many of these undocumented families in that state during the pandemic? Because I'm sure many of them have been struggling. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, it's been incredibly difficult. I think initially what we're seeing is, uh, you know, there was a lot of expectation that there would be some relief to taxpayers, for instance, those who file with ITINs, ITIN numbers, because they don't have Social Security numbers. And then there was a realization that uh, ITINs were not going to receive federal relief under the CARES Act. So while other Americans with Social Security numbers were receiving $1,200 individual checks or $2,400 checks as families with five $100 for each child, uh, folks who did not have Social Security numbers who file taxes with ITINs. So people who are filing their taxes federally and in the state were not receiving any of that aid, including people who were in mixed status families. So if somebody had a Social Security number, but they were married to an ITIN, 
that entire household was not getting any support or any relief, right? And so in addition, the unemployment impact has been disproportionately felt among immigrant communities. There is a new study from UC Merced today showing that while immigrant workers in California are only 11.5% of the workforce, uh, 23% of those who have lost their jobs in California because of COVID are immigrant workers. So what we're seeing is that on all levels, um, the uh, the impact is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing that is felt by everyone. Obviously, we're all suffering, but in particular, immigrant uh, communities, in particular, undocumented communities, in particular, those um, who either have an ITIN or don't have an ITIN, but those who do not have a Social Security number, um, are not seeing unemployment insurance. They are not seeing federal relief. And this program um, that the governor has proposed, a private public public a private public partnership program is the first one that begins to move relief into some households, but it will not reach all households, unfortunately. Unai, what is the eligibility criteria? And for those that perhaps are listening and may be eligible, how can they apply? Absolutely. So the eligibility criteria is, as what I was stating before, you cannot have received um, CARES Act relief. Uh, you cannot have a valid work permit currently, right? So there are, within our community, within our immigrant community, uh, for instance, those who um, have valid DACA and therefore have valid work permits are not eligible for this relief. In order to receive this relief, you cannot have a valid work permit. In order to receive this relief, you cannot have received any federal um, aid in any way, shape, or form, cannot qualify for any, um, you know, safety net programs. Uh, that said, uh, the way in which people apply for this program is regionally. So there is not one portal or one number that is true for the entire state of California. It is region by region. So in Northern California, the, uh, the California Human Development Corporation that can be reached at 707-228-1338, that is how people apply. In the Bay Area, the San Francisco, Alameda, Contra Costa area, Catholic Charities is the contact, and it's 866-490-3899. Uh, in the Central Coast, the Santa Barbara Ventura area, uh, that's MICOP, and that is 805-519-7774 in Ventura County, and 805-519-7776 in Santa Barbara County. Uh, in the Central Coast, that goes to the Community Action Board at 1-800-228-6820. Uh, in the Central Valley, that is through the United Farm Workers, that is 877 527 um, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you because I know there are several regions, as you yeah, said, I but I want to address other important information. Everybody has to apply in their own specific place, right. and that's why it's very complicated. I hope you can share this with your viewers. Of course. Now, I want to address other things regarding this program. The fund totals $125 million. How many families are expected to get this type of help? And will it be enough for the 2 million undocumented people living in the state? So no, it is definitely not enough. And unfortunately, um, the, within that number, there's a caveat. So there's 125 million in total through the public-private partnership. 75 million is administered through CDSS, the California Department of Social Services. That is the money that has become eligible today through the organizations that I was just listing. Those organizations are administering that $75 million. There's a $50 million commitment which comes from charity, from philanthropy. There is a website called immigrantfundca.org where people can give if they want to help contribute to that fund. Um, and then some rich donors who were named originally by the, by the governor are folks like Laureen Powell Jobs, 
who is Steve Jobs's widow, uh, for co-founder of Apple, Mark Zuckerberg, who founded Facebook, is another person who was named as one of the people founding that $50 million private philanthropic fund that's also supposed to support uh, immigrants. That money is being given out through that fund um, separately. So the total will be 125 that goes out to California, but even that total amount of money will fall far short of what we need, right? I think the you know best case scenario is that 10% of our communities will receive support. Um, realistically, it could be as low as 6% of our communities that receive support in California. Well, thank you so much, Unai Montesirueste. It's a lot of information to digest. Communications Director for United Ways of California. Thanks so much. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Italy is seeing its lowest increase in deaths in more than 10 weeks as the country continues easing its lockdown measures. There has been an increase of 145 deaths over the last 24 hours, but that's the lowest daily increase since March 4th. The latest data shows 68,000 currently active COVID-19 cases across Italy, down by 1,800 since Saturday. In Brazil, President Jair Bolsonaro joined demonstrations protesting against lockdown measures. Two health ministers have quit in just one month after Bolsonaro resisted quarantines. Brazil now has the fourth highest number of confirmed cases in the world, with nearly 244,000 people having tested positive. A new poll shows two-thirds of Brazilians agree with the need for social distancing to contain this outbreak. And in Chile's capital of Santiago, we can see empty streets as the city hits day three of a new quarantine. Chile has surpassed 40,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus. The quarantine in Santiago and surrounding towns comes amid a resurgence in cases in wealthier areas of the city. Already facing a devastated economy, those in Venezuela now facing an additional foe, the coronavirus. Some in that country turning to slaughterhouses out of desperation to try to feed themselves. Jorge Hernandez takes a look at this growing hunger crisis that appears to only be getting worse. Under the rain and wearing face masks, these Venezuelans wait outside a slaughterhouse in San Cristobal for the only protein they can get, cow's blood. That red liquid carried by Heriberto Carrillo is blood. He stores it in the fridge after salting it. He then cooks it with vegetables and eats it with rice. Need is what forces me to go to the slaughterhouse looking for blood and food for my animals. Like many Venezuelans, Heriberto's monthly salary of $2 is not enough to buy meat. Beef's blood used to be dumped at slaughterhouses, but now it's in high demand among people who have nothing to eat. I'm forced to do it because sometimes I'm only eating rice. Other times I have nothing to eat. Hunger has only grown worse amid the coronavirus pandemic and is forcing many people to seek alternatives, like Desiree Marquez, who's desperate to get food to feed her two daughters. 
My God, what am I going to do? Only go to bed thinking what I'll do tomorrow. With the government-imposed curfews, many food pantries have closed due to lack of donations. The few that remain open are filled to capacity. There's food, but money is not worth much these days. There's not enough money to purchase protein. The hunger crisis has resulted in protest and looting. One in three Venezuelans are food insecure, according to a study by the World Food Program. That's roughly seven million people. Jorge Hernandez, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.